Hello and welcome to episode number 59 of the 40 Athletes Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jason Holzer, along with my good friend, Jimmy Huber. Jimmy, good morning to you. Good morning to you, Jason. Happy uh, Christmas week. Happy holidays yeah. to you. Um, yeah. As uh, you got all your gifts and stuff ready, Santa is Santa, and is the elf behaving at the Huber household? Well, they always are, and I'm, I'm excited that I have uh, my wife as being the uh, shopper and doing everything, put it together so I can uh, sit back and just uh, assist any way I can, right? Well, hey, it sounds like you owe her a big gratitude then as, as it's coming up. So, uh, well, Jimmy, hey, you know, every episode, man, we pack, uh, is packed with tips and strategies to transform yourself, regardless if you're an athlete or not. And be sure to check out our website, 40athletes.com, to learn more about how you can use our platform and sports to make a positive influence and transform lives around you. Now, today, our guest is Nick Lewis. Uh, Nick is the CEO and founder of AO Sports, which helps athletes brand themselves and become the best version of themselves and helps them have a voice. Um, He's a CFL Hall of Famer, Canadian Football Hall of Famer, wideout, and a two-time Grey Cup champion, which, if I'm correct, Jimmy, that's like the Super Bowl of Canada. Is that right? It is. Yeah, you got that right. Hey, you know, I'm learning something new every day. So we're going to go ahead and bring Nick on and we're going to dive right into the conversation today. Nick, good morning to you, man. Morning, morning. How y'all doing? Doing well. How are things in uh, in Texas today? It's good. It, it's really good. So uh, good to start my day with this. And then uh, I'm actually heading up to the indoor here at Alito High School to train some kids and uh, it'll be good. So, uh, Jermichael Finley, I don't know if you all remember that name. Oh, yeah. Uh, tight end, right? In. Yeah, for Texas and uh, for the Green Bay Packers till he broke his neck. It, his sons actually go to Alito High School here, and uh, he takes some kids out. So, we're going to be out there training. Uh, trained some yesterday. Uh, so, just looking forward to keep doing that. Then taking the family to Six Flags. Oh, man. Sounds like a, <laughs> a fun day. Absolutely, man. A great Wednesday for sure. Well, let's, dive, let's dive right in. Let's, let's get into uh, – you know, first of all, why? Uh, what is AO Sports, and what's the passion behind it? What's the purpose behind it? Why did you decide to to feel like that was needed? AO Sports stands for Athlete Owned, um, so it's you're owning your content. Right now, there's not a lot of places that athletes can really go and promote themselves. And one thing that I realized is, when my career, 26 years of football, I was really good at being a team, right? Being a part of a team, knowing my role, being able to execute my role consistently was something that was very valuable. And then once I left the game, it just like, okay, I'm supposed to go do this by myself now. And I wanted to create something where I could keep that team mentality where everybody can continue to play their role, but keep their individuality, which is their channels to be able to spread their message, be able to create their impact, not only in their communities, but on a global stage. And and that's really what um, AO Sports is, is, is content-based from you know, podcasts like you guys are doing. Hopefully uh, we get it on AO Sports and uh, training and, you know, education, uh, docu-series, documentaries, and and so many other things from our own game day shows and, and things like that. But everything that gives value back to the athletes and back to the fans with more engagement. Well, you look at it, Nick, I mean, the landscape of sports is changing. I mean, it, right in front of you. I mean, it's different today than it was when you played. I mean, you're looking at high school kids like the other day a kid like signed an almost a six-figure deal you know to for social media and promoting and uh getting their information out there so my question for you is with the name image and likeness with that coming out what's your suggestion for like athletes to be able to 
<clears throat> brand themselves, to get themselves out there and be able to financially gain from their talents and their abilities as well. Well, the biggest problem is it's still the same sharks out there just looking to, to give you uh, the few dollars up front. And then once you – because think about it. As a kid, you don't really understand branding like that, 99%. You don't understand the obligations that go along with these things. They give you money. Hey, I got money. I can go do what I want to do. I can do this. But for us, it's really about building that infrastructure so that we can use mentorship and put positive people around people to help them build their brand, to help them do these things. Because if this kid that just got this NIL deal in high school, um, I've seen the one you're talking about, let's say he goes out and gets hurt next year. Hopefully he doesn't, and he never plays it down in college football. Well, his money's gone. I uh, Hopefully he doesn't, um, he still gets a scholarship and, and is able to do some of those things. But if he doesn't, that's why we need to be able to help these younger guys and, and girls build their brands and then help you sustain what you've built throughout the rest of your life and not just why you have the uniform on. So what should you know these young athletes and parents that are guiding them and you know maybe they reach out to coaches and ask them to help them, what are some of the things they should be looking for, questions they should be asking to make sure they're making you know choices that are going to be good for them not only now but in the future? Yeah, you, you want to, you know, we talk about this and when you're going to college, uh, we all know that you're you're sending your son or daughter to this coach, right, to be on this campus. And they're almost like the away parents uh, for your kids while they're growing up in college and they're supposed to protect them. But we see now coaches or not now, but it's been this way, but coaches will up and move on any notice uh, and things like that without getting fired because of a better opportunity and then you're you're you, you've entrusted them with your kids right so we want to just be able to build this infrastructure through AO sports where we can build in mentorship programs and things but as a parent you want to make sure that one the coach really has your uh, child's best interest at heart um, find out what their um, what their graduation uh, graduation rates are right because they have to keep those numbers on how many of their athletes graduate Right. So find out what the graduation rate rate is, because we all know how hard it is to go pro at anything. So don't just bank on a kid going pro. I mean, I've seen uh, one of the greatest high school players to ever play the game here in Alito, Texas. You know, I've known him since he was in the second grade. Jonathan Gray uh, rushed for over 11,000 yards in high school, 208 touchdowns, played at Texas and never played a down of pro football. Right. So the in through it's, it's because he tore both Achilles. Right. So. There's things that happen along the way, but now I wish that we would have had AO Sports around because with his brand, he could have marketed and monetized off of the whole fan base that he built throughout his whole career. He's a fascinating person. He's got so much knowledge to share. He's had so many great experiences, and he still trains kids today. So to be able to help get those messages out, but also to have people like that be involved in your son or daughter's journey to help them navigate their way and, and just sustain it. And uh, Nick, you mentioned mentorship a few times about AO sports and mentorship. And a lot of times I feel like, you know, these companies, they throw big dollars at kids and just to get them a brand so they can make revenue on it. What piece of mentorship is missing that you felt was needed to help kids, not only just get the finances that could help them have a better life, but also, you know, guide them on how to, you know, do use their, their finances in a smart way to help build their own brand. So whenever sports is done, 
they have something that a purpose that they can continue on with. Like what, what kind of mentorship are we looking at here? Well, it's two parts. One is the financial literacy. Um, we know that most families aren't financial literate. And if the parents aren't, how can the kid be? Right. We don't teach that in school. So to be able to put some things in place to have small support groups and things that will help kids learn different things and, and learn how to use their money, serve savings and, and different plans and things like that. Uh, but but two, I really want to look at how we can invest back into the kids. Right. And I think that's the most important part, because, like I said, everything that we want to be we think of it in a grand scheme of things like, okay, I want AO sports to be the biggest sports platform. You know, these kids want to go pro. These kids want to go to the, the Ohio States, the Texas, the, you know, the Michigans and all these big universities, but let's put it in perspective of what it is that you want to accomplish. And let's put you in the best situation to go accomplish that. Right. Maybe it's not your skill set. Maybe it's academics, you know, maybe it's, the program that you want to take is not at that school. You know, we can't just go to schools because you like their colors or they're your favorite team, right? We we have to start choosing colleges to where now it really fits you and your skill set, but you also feel comfortable. And then identifying those things where do I want to be far from home? Do I want to be close to home? Like what is your support system where you're going? And then how can we better improve that to, to not only just help kids uh, monetize, but just be better adults, right? We're going to build better adults because they're going to be more sustainable. Hey, Nick, you, you talked about like, you know, the sharks in the business and, you know, that ESPN documentary that they had about broke, you know, you, all these athletes like Bernie Kosar that made all this money and, and doesn't have anything. Warren Sapp, you can go on and on. Um, when you talk about like financial literacy, what are things that you kind of like you wish young athletes would understand about money? And then besides that, how would they identify the right mentorship and the people that guide them? So they're not getting taken advantage of. Yeah. And that's for, and that's for us to vet out companies to, to be able to come in and be able to educate uh, on that type of level to build programs and courses uh, and things like that to help educate. Uh, but you know, the, when you look at 80 over 80% of NFL guys are broke within um, or they would say broke or bankrupt in within five years of playing is a huge problem. And a big part of that problem is uh, most guys are used to overcoming and they come from bad situations. And as soon as they get paid, they go and help everyone or they want to go and do things and they feel obligation to do things. And, but then there's nobody there for them. Some of them get taken advantage of. Scotty Pippen sued his financial investment team for $7 million in one, right? Because of bad investments. Joey Galloway um, spent $20 million or $10 million on 20 different investments, right? That was, you know, highly sought after investments by his investment team, right? So there are people that's actually putting money out there and doing things that still aren't making money. Right. It's not just that they're blowing through their money all the time and, and things like that. Uh, but we, we know that, you know, Robert Kiyosaki talked about the, the rat race. If you want to get out of the rat race, uh, your money has to make more money than you spend on a monthly basis in order to stop working. And at that point, that's when you can get out. So it's really about what we're investing in, how we're investing. And not only that, but also how can these companies, how can these kids start getting pieces of the companies that want to invest in them? Right. How can we change that narrative 
to where now they can become business owners, they can become entrepreneurs and start to really start to own and have ownership in companies and not just take the dollar, right? That's going to last you today, but last you long term. Yeah, you know, and um, on top of that, like it's it's not only building your own personal brand, but having a positive image associated with your personal brand, right? So like, you know, with that mentorship piece too, you want to be teaching kids on the way like, hey, by the way, be aware of what you post, be aware of the content that you're putting out because it always is going to follow you, especially with the internet. So what are some suggestions that you can have to help uh, athletes be connected with their own personal brand, but also realize like, hey, it's for a greater good. It's to help other people and not just put out content just to get likes or popularity. Yeah, we, we see that, you know, right now, uh, fantasy is at an all time high. Uh, fantasy football, fantasy sports, right? It's baseball, it's basketball. Pretty much everything has fantasy now. What does that mean? That means people are going away from teams. They're going away from their favorite teams and starting to support their favorite athletes, right? You want your favorite athletes on your fantasy team. You want to support your team. Like you, like we're, you root against your favorite, you root against your quarterback of your favorite team because you're playing against in that week, right? But what's that mean? Like all this stuff is going towards the individual athlete. Even though that you're a part of a team, you're now the driving success of that team. And now with that, we want to show, show young athletes everything that you put on is your brand, right? I didn't know this as a kid. I mean, I, I remember um, I wore a shirt. Um, I, I didn't know this as an adult. Uh, I wore a shirt 10 years ago uh, after we had lost the Grey Cup. You know, I had won two and lost one. But after we lost the next day, I wore a shirt for the final interviews that said um, pregnant girlfriends destroy marriages. Right. Horrible shirt to wear now when I think about it. But that's what I wore for my exit interview. Right. Team hated it. But because I, I didn't understand at that time that everything I wore, every time I'm in public and people see me, they're associating me with my brand. It is so hard to build and protect your brand. You look at uh, Antonio Brown, right? Soon as something happens, what is the first thing they go to? All the trouble, mm-hmm. right? That's your brand. You have to protect it. You have to understand that when you choose to wear Adidas or Nike or or whatever the uh, the brand is, you're representing that company too. But you want that company to now represent you uh, when you're in those positions and with everything that's going on. So. It's very in in for me. I come from a lot of this, right? I, I got fined on Twitter, uh, 2006, all the way through because I, I used Twitter as a way to voice my opinion. And now I realize my opinion doesn't really matter that much. It's just really um, how can I build my brand through social media? How can I improve my brand through social media? How can I support good causes? How can I bring more like-minded people to what I'm doing? through social media it has nothing to do with what i like about this politician or this uh sporting event or those different things yeah it's good to get on there sometimes and talk to the fans and talk about games but for those major things it's like you know it's it's not your platform for that right when you when you're mentoring people and i want to get into that the social media part of it and you talk about the mentorship and guiding people because i do see individuals that they get emotional on social media Right. They 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 just vent their emotions and they're upset about stuff or like they said, they have opinions about things and everybody's got opinion. Like my dad always said, everybody's got an opinion. They're kind of like behinds <laughs> and they pretty much all stink. Right. Yeah. So when you share these opinions out there, it can cost you opportunities. Right. 
So are there like guidelines that you give to people to be like, hey, when you're on social media and, and you're about to post something or do something, here's what I want you to think about and do before you actually hit send. You know, we don't want to build robots, but we do want to be able to make you self-aware of what the risks are when you hit enter, right? When you hit the send button, you can't take it back. Even if you do, somebody's probably already screenshotted it. Uh, something's already happened. I mean, how many kids have we come back with, uh, you know, they're in their first year, they just got drafted into the NFL, and you got a post from uh, when they were eight years old or 12 years old, and it's something they should have never said, right? People going back to look at you, just as many people want to support you, there's that many people that want to bring you down as well, right? So you have to be able to protect yourself, but you have to be self-aware of everything that's going on in your surroundings to know what you need to do. Right. And I think that's where we come from of building better humans and building better adults is really start to break down some of these uh, characteristics of what it takes to be successful, but also what it takes to be engaged with your audience, because that's what we need engaging content, but also to start to grow your brand. What is your brand? Right. Most people, if you ask them what is their brand, they can't tell you. They can't tell you what their brand is because they don't know. They just know that. Okay, I know I want to do something, but what is it that I really want to do? Hmm. Yeah, and uh, you know, like for yourself, you know, you were a great player individually, but you also put on some great teams. And so, I think a lot of times young athletes have a hard time. Like, if you're a great athlete, also being a great teammate. How do you, um, you know, balance that, you know, greatness within as an athlete, but also be able to be a team first player where you, you know, you see that that, that your athleticism, your skill sets can also benefit others and how that's translated into AO sports and what you're building now. Yeah. I mean, as a player, I would look at the quarterback and the, I used to tell people all the time, there's only two people can stop me. And that was the quarterback and the OC. Uh, if you weren't throwing me the ball or calling plays for me, that's the only way that the, the defense didn't have a chance. Right. So uh, I used a different mentality. Uh, like I would call it, I now I'm calling it trading ego for legacy and to be the best at your sport you have to have ego. If you don't have an ego, you cannot play professional sports. You cannot go out and succeed in some of these things. But now when you're outside of that sport, you have to really trade that ego in. As soon as you step outside the lines, you have to trade your ego in for legacy. And legacy is how you affect other people and what you're leaving for other people and how you're impacting them in a positive way. Um, And we've seen athletes struggle with this because they can't leave the ego just on the field. They take the ego with them to the nightclub. They take the ego with them to the restaurant. They take the ego with them everywhere. And that ego starts to feed them, right? So in the, in the grand scheme of things, when I when I look at what we're doing in AO Sports, it's really uh, it's fundamental of ownership. Um, one, of our, one of our partners, one of my board members, Garrett Jones, um, has fan-centric, is tokenizing uh, sports teams where you can now buy ownership in the sports teams, uh, almost like a crowdfunding through crypto, right, in these tokens. So to be able to bring these fans together, bring these players together and these athletes from all over the world and start to build this ownership piece is is huge for us. And Nick, I want to get into that. You talk about the ego and you talk about what you mentioned. There's only two people that can stop me, the offense coordinator and the quarterback. Right. And, you know, in athletics, uh, you know, a lot of people struggle with confidence um, to be truly confident every game they play, uh, how they're performing. So 
what are things when things maybe didn't go your way and you didn't have a great performance and maybe have maybe a little self-doubt that, uh, you know, that would creep in a little bit. What did you do to get yourself to get back to confidence? And what would you tell athletes today and people, hey, here's maybe things to do to make sure you stay confident, even if you're not playing as well as you'd like to play? I, I think it comes down to how what you put into it. When you put in a lot of work in the offseason or you're putting in work and you're you're doing the extra, you're catching balls on the juggling machine, you're doing everything you can to be at your best majority of the time. Yeah, you're going to have bad days. What I like to say, bad plays over bad days. It's okay to be able to have a couple bad plays, but refocus. And that shows your true uh, testament of having a strong mental capacity to overcome a bad play. Yeah, I dropped a ball at the end of a game or, yeah, I did this but now I need to go make it up or I need to go and do the next one. Right. And it's all about being consistent, right? My approach was being consistent and not only my attitude toward the game, uh, consistent in being able to do what I need to do. Um, blocking, uh, running the routes, catching the ball, helping other guys get open. I wanted to be consistent in everything. So, uh, whenever you looked at me, uh, from the sidelines or as a teammate in the huddle or breaking the huddle, uh, you knew I was going to do my job. Right. And if it came down to me catching the ball, then I felt confident in that. But if it didn't happen, I just understood. I refocused. I, I just always told myself, refocus and, and let's go. Right. So um, that was one of the biggest things uh, for me was just being able to take that second to refocus and, you know, didn't put too much stock into it. Uh, it's like the shooter's mentality. Right. If you're a shooter, you can't think about the last shot. You got to think about the next shot. And that's and that's really what comes from and. I had some great guys, uh, Jermaine Copeland, who played at Tennessee behind Peyton Manning and played in the NFL a little bit. Uh, he's like a big brother to me, one of my biggest mentors, uh, Kenyon Rambo that played at Ohio State. Uh, you know, when you're when you're on the field with those guys and the caliber of guys that those guys are, I mean, you're looking at them like, hey, man, I got to step my game up. I want to be – I don't want to be the weak link. I don't want to be the, the third guy. I want to be the best guy, right? So uh, to be able to compete with them on a daily basis uh, at practice and in games really helped. Um, to grow my stock as well. Well, and then, you know, mentioning that you surround yourself around great people. And I think that's underestimated a lot is like who you surround yourself with is who you become. Right. So also with this, you know, AO sports community you're, you're creating, like how important is it to surround yourself with people that challenge you, but also respect you and also want to see you grow and get better, you know, because I think like you're, you're, you're going to rise to the level of the people around you. Right. So how do you like, yeah form that that community because sometimes you know kids have a hard time of breaking away from like long relationships that they have with people because they've been buddies forever but they're really like not good things for them to be around so how do you get yourself in those positive environments that challenge you that lift you up i think one of the biggest things uh most people don't know this but i was actually a division two walk-on uh at southern arkansas university and uh being a d2 walk-on not having a scholarship earning a scholarship in two two years break records um, allowed me to understand the the value of work. But then once I had an opportunity to go pro and, and put myself in these situations with these other individuals, uh, I remember when I first got there, Wayne McGarity was there, Albert Connell. Um, and I had watched Wayne play at Texas, play for the Cowboys. I watched Albert Connell play at Texas A&M and for the Redskins. And they were people that I'm like, man, I cannot believe that I'm a Division II walk-on. I'm about to walk on the same field as these guys. And we're about to go out here and compete together, right? And they poured into me and, and Cope and Rambo and then other teammates as I was young. Uh, it helped me out. 
but I always felt confident in my abilities. I always felt confident in what I wanted to accomplish. So now building AO Sports, uh, I have an advisory board of nine members. Eight of those nine advisory board members are CEOs of their own companies, right? They call me and say, hey, we should do this or we can do this or we can do this or what do you think about this? And I love it. It makes us stronger, right? I love the fact that that's a part of the team. I don't take I don't really take my job as a CEO into those meetings with them because, I mean, they're successful in their sports careers. Uh, we have lawyers. Uh, we have an ex-military vet, um, you know, Dr. Jen Welter. So when I'm talking to these individuals, I understand that they have a great business mind as well, but they want to see be a part of the best company. And it's my job to be able to not just lead from the top and say, we're doing this, this, and this, but to sit down with them and build the best infrastructure possible and start to take this to the best place possible. And it's all about having respect for each other and not just saying, hey, my title is higher than your title and we're going to do it this way. No, right? And I don't know, you can't do that within the team structure of things, right? So, um, you know, being very fundamental on my approach, like I said, I've already... My ego was used in football. In business, I have no ego. My only thing now is is legacy and how we can affect the most amount of people possible. So I need their help. That's why I asked them to join the advisory board. And so I accept their help on, on everything. Hey, Nick, let me ask you this. I, that's what I was looking at, that you, know, you played at Southern Arkansas University, right? And yes. you mentioned to me you weren't the prototype burner. You were kind of like, what, what, what was your height when you, what was your height? 510. 5'10". So, you know, you talk about, you weren't like, you're a slot receiver. So you're not the prototype. And there's so many kids that grow up in sports or doing stuff where people don't see them as that prototype type player, right? That they just don't fit in. And they got to, they got to showcase it to others. They got to prove people wrong. My th- question to you is when you were growing up, and you believed in you, but other people around it maybe didn't see it. How did you consistently continue to believe in yourself and your abilities to go be a walk-on, to get a scholarship at a Division II, and to go play professional football, right, and win in a Grey Cup and be a Hall of Famer in the CFL when a lot of the people probably wouldn't see that taking place? I call it blind faith. Um, my Going into my senior year, my high school coach said, hey, write down the top 10 teams you want to go to uh, for college. I didn't give him a list. I didn't believe I, one. I didn't want to play football. I like basketball more. Um, ended up playing a football all-star game. I uh, got MVP of that. Uh, and then I played a basketball all-star game. Didn't get a lot of playing time because I was uh, the second shortest guy on the team. But, and I was like, that, that really broke me because I really felt like I was one of the better players on the team. But a lot of those guys that already had scholarships or was already going to play and I didn't. So uh, just understanding that realm of things, I, I chose to go ahead and walk on at Southern Arkansas university and one of the guys that I got there, his name is Juan Bedoya. Juan was all East Texas player of the year. At the time, East Texas had the best athletes, you know, uh, Reggie McNeil. Uh, you had all these guys coming out of East Texas, and it was like, man, this is a breeding ground of all these great athletes, and he was the best player there, and he was on full scholarship, and um, I was the 12th receiver on the list. We only traveled four receivers because we ran the option, and truly, that's when I fell in love with competition, right? That was the first time. I mean, growing up in my small town of 4,000 people, I never really had to compete for a job. I was always one of the better athletes. So I could show up, just do my thing, play 
play the game, but practice was like I practiced a little bit, but you never really had to compete. But when I got to college, it was like, man, I love waking up, going at it with Juan Bedoya every day. And Juan Bedoya was my test. Every day I had to go out there and prove myself uh, to uh, to beat Juan Bedoya, right? Because I knew he made a one-handed catch, I'd make one one-handed catch. I'd make a great catch, he'd make a great catch. Like So we were battling back and forth all training camp. And we ended up being uh, the the fourth and fifth receiver. They actually redshirted him because they thought he would be better. And I got the fourth receiver spot. It's my freshman year. And then when we come back my sophomore year, he's in front of me on the depth chart now as number three. And I'm still number four. And I'm like, man, this can't be. And that's when I realized that I didn't win the job, that it was so close that they just thought he would be better in the long run. So they were just going to let me travel. And uh, that's a, it's, it's interesting how those things play out. But it's truly the love of competition, right? Uh, when you sit down in a job interview, uh, you have to understand there's people maybe have better education than you, maybe have whatever uh, advantages that you don't have. But when you sit down at that job interview, you have to be confident to do that job. And the person you're talking to is going to see your confidence in how you're doing your job. Because if I'm sitting to you, if, I'm, if I want to be a coach, if I'm trying to be a manager at a store, whatever the case is, your confidence has to show that you can do the job, right? It's not you You can just go off resumes, right? I can't go off of, hey, this is what I did in my career. I can live off that. No, my confidence has to show. Like when I sit on a, a Zoom call with Michael Vick or Warren Sapp or, you know, uh, Ryan Malone or, or Terrence Bud Crawford or some of these high, like these high grade profile athletes, they have to see my confidence that I can show them that we can do this at AO. I can't just say, hey, man, we're hoping to uh, accomplish some things and, you know, having you on board is going to help us do. Like, no, we I know where we're going and what we can do. Uh, so confidence and, and consistency is, is is highly needed. But you can only get that if you prepare. Right. You have to be prepared. Let me ask you this. So there's I, I talk to people that I know that are walk ons at football at universities or say someone's like the 12th person, you know, on a 12, you know, 12 man roster in basketball. And they're asking me at times, like, how do I get the attention of my coach? How do I get to see me differently? Like they might see me as a walk on, they might see me as a 12th person. What are things that you would suggest that players can do on the field, off the field to get the attention of their coaches realize, wow, I have something with this person right here. Everybody's got a box, right? And I think it's very important to understand this as an athlete. Here was my box. It was it was not a big box, but I maximized my box. I couldn't get any more out of my box. Where some people have big boxes. Well, they might not get halfway through their box because they're already better than some people, right? Understanding that it takes a lot of different things to win a basketball game or a football game. Everybody doesn't need to be a speed guy. Everybody doesn't need to be a, a shooter. Everybody doesn't need to be all these things. Just be you. Like, you're there for a reason. If you play college sports and you're on a team, you're there for a reason. Maximize your box. Find out what you're great at. Find other people that have certain skill sets that are similar to yours to see how you can improve yours. But, you know, we had a D-tackle in BC when I was coaching there uh, for the BC Lions, and he said he wanted to be – or he watched Aaron Donald film. I'm like, dude, you don't have a fast-twitch muscle in your body like Aaron Donald. Like, you're wasting your time watching this because if you try his moves, 
you're going to be slow and you're going to get, you know, you're going to get destroyed. So find similar type. Like for me, I watch Michael Irvin. I watch Heinz Ward. I watch a lot of these bigger physical receivers because my game was more physical. Right. So that's there's four. I was able to do that. I couldn't go out and play like Kenyon who ran a four two one forty. I couldn't go do what he does. And if I tried to do it, I would have failed miserably. Right. So you have to really just find this skill set uh, that that suits what you do and maximize your box. Don't and, and don't focus on the coach. Right. Focus on the work. Right. Put your head down and work. And one day you'll wake up and or you'll look up and you'll see you're in a great, in a great spot. Right. I think that's where too many people are focused on what's happening today. Like I'm not playing today. I'm not playing today. I'm not playing tomorrow. I'm not playing this week. I'm not playing this season. Don't worry about that. Just work. Just work. Because you're going to find a lot of fundamental tools through your work that's going to pay off for you for the rest of your life. Not just in basketball or football or baseball or whatever it is. And, you know, you'll hopefully you'll get your opportunity to to go out there and shine. And Nick, I want to kind of go back to what you mentioned earlier about, like you talked about your leadership style and like, you know, hearing other people's opinion, other people's thoughts that people that you truly admire. And I think one thing people forget to realize is like, hey, you got to lead yourself first before you can lead other people. Right. And I think that's kind of what you're leading on with that work piece is, you know, the preparation that that leads to success. If you keep your you know head down and stay focused on what you need to do. So how do you how do you develop a leadership mentality of where it's not necessarily like, you know, I'm leading myself, but it doesn't have to be my way. We're trying to find the best way. Like, how have you developed that mentality and how has that worked for you as far as building out not only your like what you did as a player, but now as you're building your your business to help other people? Um, I always go back to Jermaine Copeland coming in, in 2005 and uh, he was like he was like, Lou, this, you're the reason one of the biggest reasons why I came to, to Calgary. And he really put his arm around me and we're like Batman and Robin. Right. Um, we're you know, roommates on road trips. He really poured into me so much from a leadership mentality. He was the leader of our team uh, from uh, a point when I was 22, 23, and I needed to start becoming a man and not just remain as a kid. Uh, all those transitions in my life happened quicker because of him. And with everything that he was doing for me uh, from those standpoints, uh, we were teammates until 2010. He called me and he got traded to Toronto. Um, so when he got traded to Toronto, he called me and said, hey, it's on you now. Uh, I'm going to Toronto. I called my receiving coach and I said, hey, I don't lead like Coke, but I'm a lead. Right. And it's a, it's a part it's a part of finding that you don't have to. I didn't have to lead exactly like him. I understood what I needed to be for people. Right. I needed to be in a, uh, I needed to be energy on the field. I needed to be consistent in my messaging towards my teammates and I needed to be dependable. Right. Those things were the three biggest things for me. I'm going to bring energy. I'm going to be consistent in my messaging and I'm going to be dependable. Right. If my teammates need anything, I'm going to be there for them. That was to me the best part of being a leader. Everybody's going to have different characteristics, different attitudes. But when we can use the people around us to learn and understand and, and gain knowledge and gain all these things, then we can now start to display those things, right? And it, the proper way to do it is, is just being able to be yourself. You know, you can't go be uh, some other leader and you can read books about great leaders. You'll never be them. Uh, but you can only hope to, to learn from them, to instill those things in yourself 
so that hopefully one day somebody reads about you, right? Yeah, it's almost like, you know, this, the, the principles of leadership are the same, but how do you make them personal to yourself where you're not trying to be somebody you're not? Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, that's it. I mean, we've all had, you probably had people, uh, I know I've had people in the locker room that stood up and give pregame speeches and some different things. I'm like, man, that's not a part of your characteristics. Like that's not, that's not who you are. So it, it comes across different because you're saying things to pump people up. You're not saying things because they have value. Mm. Right. Yeah. It's like, it's like me trying to give our buddy Jonathan Flowers speech on I'm a champion. It probably wouldn't come out the same way, you know? So that's a great speech. <laughs> <laughs> because Jonathan did it. If I would try to do the same speech, wouldn't have worked, you know? Yeah. So and and that's it. Yeah. Right. You got to stay true to you. You have to stay true to your passion uh, and just what you want to accomplish. Right. And, the people around you know you. And long as you're true to you and they can look at you and they know who you are, then you're good. They'll trust in you. Yeah. Um, you know, so uh, what are some routines that you put in place like right now in your daily habits that have helped you? Like, oh, what are some routines? Sorry. What are some routines you have in your life now that you had as a player that still, you know, um, help you be successful today? Or are some things that you do consistently on a daily basis that have translated from playing football to now running a company? It's just like practice, right? I, I wanted to start a, a media company. And in doing that, I knew my practice was going to be podcasting, right? So I, I went out, started my podcast in order to start to practice on interviewing, practice on having these conversations, doing these things. So that's my practice for my show that I ultimately wanted to do uh, before the CFL season got canceled last year. And then this year with the shortened season, I didn't want to start it. So it's one of those things to understand that we can't just show up. Everything takes practice. Everything takes preparation. You want to be prepared in everything you're doing. And uh, John Huffnagel, one of the greatest coaches ever uh, in any sport, coaching the NFL, coaching the CFL, is my head coach there. Uh, my favorite coach of all time and best coach is, is him. And uh, he always talks about preparation, right? That's the number one aspect of being prepared, right? Just be prepared. And so that's what we want to do is, is be prepared. And from preparation, we just go from there. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, Nick, it's been great to have you on the show today. We always end the uh, episode with the four questions with 40 athletes. So these are four questions that are lightning around. And just to give you our last nuggets of knowledge here as we wrap up the show today. So the first awesome. one is, is uh, so number one, what is the best life lesson sports has taught you? Uh, the best life lesson sports has taught me, I would say, um, don't take yourself so serious, right? Um, I think sometimes we, we make one moment way bigger than it should be, regardless if it's a, if it's a touchdown winning catch or um, a game-saving tackle or, you know, something that ends in horribly. I think we take those things and we magnify them in our minds. And, you know, I just think we shouldn't take ourselves so seriously and just be able to understand that things happen in life, but you just got to keep going, right? Keep that consistent approach uh, that you're on the right path and keep moving forward. But yeah, when you have a bad day or when you have uh, some bad things happen, just keep going, just keep yeah. going. Kind of reminds me, Nick, of that, you know, I've been told throughout my life is like, don't let the highs be too high and the lows be too low, especially in sports, right? That's that middle stay, stay steady in what you do. 
That's it. And you know, with with social media now, you you, you remember when J.R. Smith got the rebound, took the ball yeah. out the half court. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just part of his personality. But at the end of the day, everybody's on him now. But how does him as an athlete feel confident that he can still go back out there the next game and compete and not worry about what mistake that he made last game, right? And, and that's one of the biggest things is we're going to make mistakes in life. Um, everybody's going to make mistakes. Uh, nobody's going to be perfect, but, you know, just keep going. Yeah. And number two we got is uh, if you could spend time with anyone you admire in sports, uh, alive, passed away, fictional, non-fictional, uh, who would it be and why would you pick them? Man, um, I think there's there's probably a couple people that if I got to spend time with people, um, and, and I think it's for me, it's really the value of getting the knowledge. And there would be like three people, which would be Deion Sanders, Michael Irvin, and Michael Jordan. And I think those three people really helped me to understand the value that I want to create but then the impact, right? Michael, Michael Irvin's passion is something that I've always loved. He was my favorite receiver growing up, probably my favorite athlete in the world. Um, I got to play a softball game with him last year, a charity softball game. So that was amazing. Uh, but just being around those caliber of people and you see what Dion does on a, on a social basis now with everything that he does and uh, just to be able to get the understanding, right? So now how can I go out and bring some of those characteristics to to people and then Michael Jordan from a business standpoint, right? How can I help more athletes become successful in business? Question number three is what is the best advice you've ever received from a coach you played for or worked for? Oh man. Um, best advice. I don't know. Um, so much. There, there, there's so much, right? Yeah. So, um, I'm trying to think back, you know, there, there's so many times, you know, Huff used to always talk about be prepared and, and things like that. Those were some of the things. Uh, there was this, he, he had a statement called reload, right? So every time the other team would score, he would say reload. And so for me to hear that word reload, no matter where I'm at, it gets me back to a mindset to where, Okay, we got to go score. Okay, we got to go respond or we got to go do this. Right. So, you know, there's there's certain words that coaches use that really become very impactful and powerful in in the psychology of things. And when you hear a word, you're like instantly, you know, like even saying the word reload right now just puts other things in my life in perspective of how I need to attack it. Uh, And I think that's a lifelong thing is, is being able to do that. Right. So what he would he tell you when he would say reload that he explained what he meant, like totally by reload? No, you just knew. Right. So, you know, as soon as they score, he turned around. He goes, all right, man, we reload, reload. Let's go. And and that was it. And, you know, you almost feel like you're in a battle. It's like reload the gun. Let's go. Let's go shoot what we have. Like, let's go put out what we have and, and let's go really get the job done. Right. Let's finish the job. Um, and it just something's that just says, like, you're never out of it, right? You're never out of it. Just just reload. The last question is if, you know, as you're building out your company or say you had a, a team or an organization and you were recruiting athletes to be a part of it, 
Um, if you had one, if they could have one like character trait or life skill, and they could only have one that you'd want them to have, what would it be and why? Engaging. Just be engaging, right? Because when you're engaging, um, you're yourself, you're authentic. And um, when you let people into your world and uh, you're engaging others in your audience or your friends or family or whoever, um, it's a beautiful thing. Reload yeah. and engage. Reload, <laughs> engage. Let's go. There we go. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Well, uh, Nick, hey, man, how can people find out more about you, learn more about what you're doing with AO Sports? Um, where can they uh, contact you and learn more about you? Yeah, my um, LinkedIn or my Instagram and Twitter is N-I-K-E-L-18, Nickel18, and uh, AOSports.tv or AOSportsTV are all the handles on social media. And my LinkedIn is, I believe, Nicholas Lewis, N-I-K-O-L-A-S Lewis. And yeah, so you can connect with me there. I'm always open to, you know, uh, chatting and doing some things on social media. So looking forward to getting AO Sports launched in the in the new year and bringing great content. We have some great um, doctors is coming on. We have some great talent coming on from athlete standpoint, uh, great educational pieces and, and everything. So we're looking to build something really special. And, um, you know, we just want you to be a part of it. Yeah. Well, uh, hey, Nick, thank you for your time today. Thank you for your insight. Uh, it's been great having you on. I always like to hear some of these great insights from from uh, high-level Hall of Fame players like yourself. So uh, best of luck with AO Sports. I hope that everything works out for you all even even better than what you imagined. So uh, thanks again. Hey, 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 before we do that, though, real quick before we wrap up, Jason, I got a okay, question okay. for you. Uh -oh. CFL football, right? Canadian Football yeah. League. Let's see if he knows this, Nick. How many downs do they have? Like purpose, they, they, they get like yeah, he's um, asking you. He two knows downs, know. three downs, four downs. How many downs I get? It's five. Oh boy, it's three. Three. Oh, three. they got to get three downs down. to get my first down. Wow, that's like yeah, next you, level in, in CFL. Yeah. They, they don't play in Canada. In Canada, I know two downs and you're punting or kicking a field goal. So is it still ten yards? Is it yep, still ten yards? Still ten yards. Yeah. Okay. The other thing they had that was the, the Grey Cup they had recently. Didn't they go to overtime? I think it was. Yeah, is that right? And they overtime because the last overtime, of course, I watched. You brought up fantasy football. I had Keenan Allen as my receiver, right? And I'm a Chiefs fan, right? So I was rooting for Keenan to have a good game, but not good enough to beat the Chiefs, right? Right? You mentioned that. But the thing is, I was talking to a guy the other day at a Christmas party, and we're talking about the like change in the NFL overtime. I just think it needs to be changed, like. Flip a quarter, Chiefs got it. They went down the field, scored, game over. Game San Diego or L.A. never had a chance. But in the Grey Cup, they both have a chance, right? I think you start from the 30 or 35, whatever 35. it is, yeah. right, 35, and you get the three downs, right? Yep, you're 35, and, you know, if you go down and score, you got to go for two, um, and then mm -hmm. the other team gets it. It's, it's similar to college. Yeah, I should um, say similar to college, yeah. Where both teams get the ball. Uh, they do two overtimes and then it ends in a tie unless it's the playoffs. Yeah. The la last thing I have for this, for Jason, for you, and I'm going to ask Nick on this. Do you know who the McKenzie brothers are? McKenzie. Oh, God, God. Canada. You're a Canada guy. You got to watch Strange Brew, old classic, the McKenzie <laughs> brothers. Take off. Hey, take off Hoser. Like Hoser, they – 
they got all this host had this dog. You got it. You got to watch that one right there. Right. I would that reminds that. me too of football. The last one I want to say is John Candy, right? Canadian, I right? The Argonaut. God rest his soul. He's unbelievable. <laughs> but I remember Joe Montana, the Super Bowl against the Cincinnati, Cincinnati Bengals, and they were toward the end of the game, they had a possession. I think it was like the final drive to go down and score to beat Cincinnati, and they were down. And they were he looks up in the stands, he goes, hey, man, there's John Candy right there. And he said, everybody just relaxed in the huddle. Cool Joe went down and scored a touchdown. It was John Candy. That's it. Yeah, they owned the uh, Toronto Argonauts for a couple of years. John Candy, Dan Aykroyd, and a group of those Canadian actors, man. And hmm. uh, they're the one that brought uh, Rocket Ismail to Canada for $6 million when he was drafted in the NFL and skipped going to the NFL to come to Canada. Yeah. Now it's a totally different game, but yeah. uh, <laughs> the pay scales have – have, have went the opposite way, uh, but no, it's it's good. No, it's I, do a, it's have to, I do have to ask one more. I see Kiko. What? Who's who's the best quarterback to ever play in the CFL? That's a that's a big uh, conversation. Um, there's Anthony Calvillo. There's Doug Flutie. Um, so there's there's a couple. Damon Allen. Who's hey, I, I go back to Warren Moon. Warren Moon. Warren Moon. Warren Moon. Five great back cups in the in day. years. What about Johnny um, Manziel? Oh God! Johnny had a Johnny had some issues. Johnny needed some. Uh, Johnny, Johnny needed you. He he needed you, Nick. Johnny needed some mentorship, and, and you don't want to put Johnny Manziel in Montreal. It's a very different city. Um, mm. It's it's French speaking, but it's really uh, like the Miami of Canada. Of Canada, right? So it's very party centric. Bars don't close till four or five in the morning. Um, if you can't handle yourself. Uh, that's the last place in Canada you really want to be. And for Johnny to be in Canada, you know, still trying to get to that maturity uh, stage, he, he has the skill set. The game should fit him because it's a bigger field. He's mobile. He can throw the ball. But if you don't learn the game with 12 men on the field instead of 11 and uh, all these different nuances, and if you're not efficient, you know, you go to second and 10, like we all know the numbers, right? You need to get to second and six or less in order to be successful because you could drive it from your own 10 yard line to the other fit or to the other 40 yard line and two plays and drives over, you know? So there's a lot of different things that go into it. You could have a 50 yard drive and a, one penalty is now you're first and 20 and now you got to get 20 yards in two plays, right? Mm -hmm. So those things affect the CFL game. Uh, I remember just quick story, but I remember one game uh, we we're playing Montreal. We were down by three. They kicked off the ball to us with 58 seconds to go in the game. We we drove down, got a field goal, kicked off two and out, got the ball back, two plays, kicked the game winning field goal, all in the last wow. 58 seconds of a game. Holy cow! Right? right, because the game in the CFL it stopped it's the play two clock. and out, yeah. two and out, 20 second play clocks. Right, Ooh. so it goes. It goes quick, right? It's an upbeat game. It's a it's a fast paced game, but um, that's the type of excitement in a CFL play a CFL game. You know, Dana White came to our game when the UFC was there one time, and we were down seventeen with nine minutes to go. Came back and won the game in overtime, and he had left early, right? <laughs> and uh, when I talked to him the next day, he said that you know. He said he thought the game was over. They told him to stay, but he was like, "Man, it's over." And uh, yeah, we came back and won the game. And um, so yeah, it's that's the, the the way the CFL is, man. It's it's really exciting. Uh, some some great athletes up here. 
man, great athletes that you've probably seen play college football mm -hmm. in the U.S. and that you love. So uh, it's a great game. You should check it out. It's on ESPN now. Uh, yeah. So usually on ESPN News or ESPNU and things like that, ESPN2, uh, during the summer too. So you don't have to miss NFL games. So there we NFL go. Friday, hey, night, hey, so yeah. I promise. This is my last question. You're a basketball guy, Nick. Basketball yeah. guy. Canadian. Who's the best Canadian basketball player of all time? Uh, Steve Nash. Yeah, Steve there Nash. you go. <laughs> yeah, I, I was hoping I was going to come out. Steve Nash, there you go. <laughs> yeah, Steve Nash has got that. I think he's got that title pretty much. Uh, pretty Jamal Murray's looking good, though. Yeah. Jamal yeah. Murray's oh, looking yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. I, would, I, would, I wouldn't want to get in a brawl with Jamal Murray either, man. He puts you in some of that. Uh, <laughs> he knows all that jujitsu jiu and all that type of stuff. Did so. you see Der uh, Deron Williams fight uh, Frank Gore? Oh, Gordon? God. Fought, uh, the, he looked good. Yeah. Fought Frank Gore. He looked good. The Gore. That's a, yeah. Beat, beat a, yeah, a basketball player beating a football player. There you go. In box. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, just one last thought. Uh, what I've been thinking about lately, if you don't mind me sharing, but. Um, to, to the kids or to anybody watching, um, I've noticed one thing in life too that we talked about earlier, but really it's called it's success and failures, right? I've really been focused on this thing that success and failure is a deathly thing, right? You're not successful in life. You're not a failure in life until you die and, and you're only a success or fail if you accomplish or achieve goals and did what you wanted to do or you didn't because you're afraid or anything. Uh, one thing doesn't make you successful. Me becoming a great cup champion or Hall of Fame hall of famer doesn't make me successful i still have more to accomplish right so achieve goals set goals you know short high whatever you want to do but go out achieve goals uh create a mentality that one thing doesn't make you successful or failure in life just keep going keep going keep going and then when you die somebody else can talk about it right hmm. oh, there you i like that it reminds me of uh the greek freeze quote of like your pride's in your past your ego's in your future you know, all you have is the presence, so stay humble so you continue to get better. So that's it. Yeah, that's it. Well, uh, Nick, man, hey, enjoy your Wednesday. Merry Christmas, happy holidays to you. Appreciate it. Thank you, you for joining well. us today. Thank you. Thanks, Nick. Thanks happy for all holidays. Day. Take be easy. Peace. Well, uh, Jimmy, when we train skills, life skills like Nick trained his football skills, we not only develop Hall of Fame players, but we develop Hall of Fame people, and that's our goal of forty athletes is to use athletics to, de to develop the best people possible uh jimmy tell us a little bit more about 40 athletes where they can find us and how to book a discovery call yeah you know go to 40athletes.com and and you have a team or group of uh you know uh, athletes you're going through we can uh, talk about how we can implement it uh, within your organization but the biggest thing we talk about is what nick mentioned it's like you talk about being consistent talk about like working out like doing the work each and every day. Well, we do that a lot in the physical skills, but also training these life skills, the mental skills, the things that can help individuals not only succeed in sports, but outside of it as well. And to be that complete person, to be able, like, as Nick said, he got done with the Grey Cup. Now he's not, he succeeded by winning the Grey Cup and being done with the CFL, but now he's moving on. He's doing incredible things in life because he's consistently mm -hmm. doing these habits he's ingrained, right? consistently doing them day in and day out and continuing to drive himself to succeed so he can help others as well. Yeah, absolutely, Jimmy. Well, it's, uh, you know, another great episode again. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you and your family. Hope you all have a joyful uh, uh, Christmas this Saturday. Um, and uh, next Monday we have uh, a mentor and his wife of mine coming on talking about uh, how to be a great coach's wife. 
and how to be a great coach uh, husband as your coach. So excited to have them on next week. Look forward to it. Merry Christmas yeah. to you and your family as well, Jason. All right, Jimmy. Take care, bud. Have a great one.